Today, my guest is LA musician Jack Name. His most recent album came out last year, and it's an intimate and delicate record called Magic Touch, which I'll link to in the description. Outside of his solo work, his songs have appeared on albums by bands US Girls and White Fence, and he's also been a producer for people like Cass McCombs. Jack, what kind of records were you listening to as a teenager? Because that's usually the time when people really start finding their own sound, isn't it? Finding the perfect thing that they like to listen to. Well, when I was, yeah, when I was really young, I learned how to play guitar, like listening to like Nirvana and like uh, Sonic Youth and stuff like that. And um, when I found out about the Velvet Underground and then someone in high school showed me about Crass and um, you'd find out about all sorts of just random sort of things because at that point the internet wasn't a thing yet that was, or at least not for, you know, kids at that age finding out about that stuff. Were so, you sharing mixtapes and that kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. You know, and like, so it'd be, it'd be like random thing, you know, like some, you'd have a, you know, like I think I had a girlfriend when I was 14 that showed me like Skinny Puppy and you know like pig face or something you know like uh and then you know somebody other friends like an older kid would show you about crass and you know uh you know some sort of obscure punk stuff you know um and it was all pretty random did you get into much underground music i was kind of living in a weird i lived in a like up in the mountains when I was in high school so there wasn't a lot of I guess I guess not like I wasn't really into any kind of like hardcore scene or anything like that like I was we kind of had to make music for each other so without knowing it I guess maybe we were but depending on what you mean by underground I guess uh it's it's hard for me to say but but a lot of stuff like scenes didn't really resonate with me like I remember kids that were into like hardcore like punk scenes like it felt kind of uh, it, I just didn't relate to the, it seemed like there was a lot of camaraderie there, which in some weird way kind of maybe turned me off, you know, like seeing guys like arm in arm singing along with the germs or something like that. You know, it was like, <laughs> what was it about that that you found off putting? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think I felt instantly kind of othered. It was the same thing as like sports and how like these people all understand how this world works and what this thing is. And I just don't get it. And it didn't, I didn't feel invited or something. I don't know. Like, I, I felt somehow apart from it. The reason I use the word underground is because that's a word that I've read in reviews of your music. People talk about you, and the word scene, interestingly, comes up a lot as well, as you're part of the underground music scene in L.A. Um, do you think that's fair? Do you, are you happy to be categorized in that way? Um, only because I think that it leaves a lot of negative space, which is kind of fun. Um but I think that it's, it doesn't really, like, I couldn't tell you what the underground scene in LA is, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it exists. I don't know if, I don't know if there's, you know, there's not like a bunch of bands and stuff that I'm hanging out with. You know, I have like, you know, a small number of friends that I'm close with and, you know, some of them sometimes play music with me or, you know, I have friends that are musicians, of course, and stuff, but it's not like there's some, although I guess maybe if underground has something to do with kind of just obscure sort of places where nobody's looking, then I would say that's true and that's fair. And I, I would agree. Do you consider scenes to mean more 
that there's a group of bands or artists who sound similar or is it much more to do with the approach and the location of the writing songs? I think it has, it's just more to do with accidental factors, like just who's around what and where and who's, who gets along, you know, or like what, who has the same, like, it's like, could come down to just like who drinks at the same bar, you know? And like, oh, like on this one night, maybe in your town, like on Tuesdays, this one person DJs and their friends go there and some people met at that place, you know, it's just some simple little thing like that. I don't, I feel like in retrospect we give it all this sort of like it seems kind of like it's like conspiracy theories or something where you can look at an event you know retrospectively and sort of and say oh my god it must have been this guy met that guy and then of course this thing happened but really in the moment it's just circumstances unfolding you know there's nothing really planned about anything does that make any sense yeah it definitely does yeah yeah, I think if you were going out there looking for a scene or looking for something to be part of, it never would happen. It would happen to... You'd need it to sort of come around on its own, wouldn't you? I think that would only feel like a real thing that way. Yeah, and and you usually don't even notice it when it's happening, and then it's like once it's kind of over, it's like, oh, wait, that was cool. We had like a thing going, you know, because they only last like, you know, three to five years tops probably, you know. you sort of came up in the early 2000s how much do you think it's changed that kind of thing since then did you feel like there was more of a scene then or or more of a sort of community attitude to things then or is it is it sort of been quite consistent since then actually I feel like I talk with my friends about this a lot um that I I, I personally feel like sometime around I don't know if it was like between 2008 or 2010 like sometime in that in that sp- space of time like uh, I think probably like smartphones became more, it was just, they just became the norm and maybe social media stuff too became, maybe that got even more intense, like the years following that. But I feel like because of that, I mean, this is just my theory. I don't know if you would agree or if you feel like you've seen the same thing happen, but it seems like because of that stuff, um, there's been less interaction with people um, in terms of like just starting bands and being um, together in the same ways, you know, and I I think the things have changed a lot, but I think it's, it's just because of that. I spoke to a poet the other week called Maggie Smith. And she had a poem go viral, which is obviously something that only could have happened since social media has changed and things like that. And I'm sure you're aware that people often come to your music through the internet nowadays. And I was wondering if you ever consider when you're writing an album that that's the way they come to it. Does that change the way you write? And is there a song that you think, I'd be happy for that to be the first one that people heard? Is there like an entry song that you'd like people to go away and listen to? I guess I, I, I maybe I've made peace with the, with the fact that people will hear things that way, but I still like I, I when I I still make albums. Um, I guess it, it's all like a like I would prefer everybody just listen to the whole thing in one sitting in the order that it's that it's in because that's like the sequence of it and everything is kind of like the first song in the album is the first song I would want the person to hear you know and or at least when I've when I've made it that's how I felt about it um yeah I accept that people 
you know, listen to things kind of out of order and in whatever way they're going to listen to now, but I still love like a traditional kind of album experience. Your newest album came out last year, named Magic Touch. And I was wondering if that was an album that was influenced in any way by the lockdown. Because having heard some albums that came out before that, the new one, Magic Touch, is a lot more gentle, a lot more personal. It sort of feels like it could have been influenced by spending a lot of time on your own in your house. Uh, Is that true? And uh, can you tell me a little bit about the background behind Magic Touch? I guess I was spending a lot of time at home. Um, but I was, it was before the lockdown actually, like I finished it probably like 18 months before it came out, I think. Um, so that was more just inspired by, I guess, just reflecting on just personal situations and patterns. Yeah. Just kind of doing a deep dive into my own personal stuff. And then it just happened to be that when it was ready to come out, the rest of the world kind of was forced into a similar place maybe. So it was kind of just a lucky coincidence, I guess. Do you feel that that helped people understand the album a bit better? I don't know. I don't know. I guess I, I don't have really any, a good idea of, of uh, how, because, you know, I've also been locked up. So without being able to tour or anything, like I don't, I don't really have a good idea of how it was received much at all. You know, I'm kind of, in the dark myself but possibly do you ever read your own reviews uh yeah i have and sometimes it's sometimes it's a bummer and sometimes it's cool usually it's uh i i i generally tend to not like reviews though and i I mean i think it's a strange feeling i don't know because i mean sometimes the person will be saying something that's just just wrong you know and and it's it's kind of it's interesting i don't know to um to read criticism of your stuff there's a song on the album called empty nights which i think is an interesting one because it's something that i've not heard before is there's a, a second voice on the on the song that's singing to you and i was wondering if you could tell me firstly if you wrote the lyrics for that part and secondly, why you thought it was interesting to have a, a bit of a conversation on the song like that. Yeah, um, I did write those lyrics. I wrote that song like a, I wrote that song a pretty long time ago. Um, and I guess it was, um, I, had, I had had an idea a long time ago to do a whole entire album of duets. And I think I wrote maybe like four songs that were like, and then I kind of, I just moved on to a different idea I think at that point but um just trying to have like like a conversation that that can't really or that generally doesn't happen in a lot of relationships when the relationship's kind of falling apart it's like a if both people could be totally honest they might say some of these things you know what do you think is coming next for your music then do you think if you wrote your album 18 months before it came out last year then is it fair to assume that you've already got a fair few new songs coming out? You've had this extra time and you've got another tour coming up maybe? Um, I do have a lot of sketches for, I'm going to start recording actually next week. I'm going to start uh, working on a new album. And I don't really know 
exactly what it's going to be like. Like when I first started making Magic Touch, I kind of thought it was going to be like a synth jazz album or something like that. And then it turned out to be completely different <laughs> than what it was. So I have no idea um, what it's going to end up being like, but hopefully it'll be something different because I don't like to, you know, you don't want to repeat yourself if you can help it, I guess. Jack, uh, what would you like to offer up as your Who's Flying the Plane hidden gem? There's a composer named Morton Feldman, and he's one of my favorite composers. Uh, he was like a contemporary of John Cage, and there's actually a series of four, like maybe hour-long conversations between John Cage and Morton Feldman that you can find pretty easily on the internet. Um, and those, I think... It's just long conversations about, you know, just two people talking about being artists and different things they're going through and different things they're thinking about and responsibilities or you know, just all sorts of different aspects of what it's like to just be an artist. And I think that for anybody, probably anybody at all, but especially people who are involved in any kind of artistic pursuit could take a lot of comfort in those conversations it's it's just yeah it's comforting to listen to these two people kind of going through all these same things that a lot of people could probably relate to so jack how can we keep up to date with what you do and hear your music and um, have you got anything in the pipeline for plans in terms of a tour or anything like that uh, at the moment no i think uh, you know, everything's still kind of up in the air as far as what's happening, but I'm hoping to be in Europe or the UK and sometime maybe in the spring of uh, this year, if possible. Or would that be spring of 22? I can't, I'm so, time is like this weird vacuum now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it would be, I think we just... Um, oh yeah, it is spring now. If, if so yeah, next spring, spring now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. All right, well, thanks a lot for having a chat to me, Jack. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, likewise.